Hey everybody, welcome back to a new episode of Cows and Canoes. This week's a little bit different. Uh, none of the females are uh, in play here today because uh, we're doing you know, a sports-themed one and both of them decided they had better things to do. Um, so I am Brandon and then I've got uh, Papa Giorgio and Nick over here co-hosting. Howdy, howdy. Um, and we are sitting with uh, Corey over here who uh, was a professional athlete, uh, football primarily. Have you done any other major sports or is it just football your entire just life? Football. Okay. Just football. Okay. Yeah. Um, so... Corey played with uh, several different teams in the NFL, um, so welcome, dude. How's it going, man? It's going all right, man. How you been? Good, dude. Good. Um, so let's start out just at the very, very base setup of you, man. So um, I knew you uh, grew up in Louisiana and then moved to Oklahoma for college, right? Is that what happened? Yep. Okay. And then you played at O State um, for the full four years? Yep. 2003 to 2006. Okay. So... How did you go from Louisiana to Oklahoma State? Because that seems like a weird transition. Because there's a lot of big football in the South, obviously. Um, but why did you choose to Oklahoma State? Man, it was just a gut feeling. Um, you know, when I was getting recruited, I think Indiana and Tulane were like my only two offers at the point. Okay. And then OSU came in, and so obviously, you know, them being a Big Twelve school. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, big competition. Yeah, big. T- you know, big competition, and mm-hmm. I took more uh, more notice to that. But it's just like a gut feeling, man. Like anywhere I went to college, honestly, mm. I'd have to move out of state. Yeah, because LSU wasn't really recruiting me at that time. Like they okay. said, I was too small. You were too small. Yeah, <laughs> dude. You're what are you six five? Right. At that point, I was probably like six five, two eighty five, two ninety ish. Jesus Christ, and that's too small. That like, was too small, man. <laughs> SEC that was, is big time was, football. Yeah, Holy bro. shit! I went to I went to a senior <laughs> camp. I went. We went to an O line camp at LSU, mm-hmm. like two months before the school year, my senior mm-hmm. year. And this is when Nick Saban was there. And mm-hmm. we got there, and it was some of the linemen, oh, my gosh. Hmm. Like, he would pull up on the golf cart, <laughs> like, get one of them and drive off, come back 10 minutes later, pick up another one, drive off. Yeah. And these were dudes like 6'8", 330. Jesus My Christ. age. I can't even imagine, dude. Like, because, I mean, you know, rough math, that's literally, like, almost a foot taller than me. Like, that's <laughs> that's absolutely nuts, dude. I can't even imagine, really. Yeah. I was too small. Yeah, right? Yeah, can Jesus. you imagine being 6'5 and being too short? Yeah. yeah, right? Like, what? But seriously. Yeah. No, for real. So, um, let's, let's jump into that life aspect, right? So, usually what happens with people who get into college, that's like the top tier for most people, right? Yeah. Um, very few people. I mean, I don't even want to do the math on it, but I would assume. 1%. Yeah, yeah it's like 1% or something Get like into that. the NFL from that of, point. Of collegiate football players, yeah. you have less than 1% that goes pro. Yeah. And right. that's, that's Canadian, Europe. That's Everything. all of it. That's arena. That's yeah. all of it. That's not just the league. The league is. Right. Probably premier yeah so what do you think you did different than the other 99 percent? then what what how did you make that change then out of curiosity man i honestly like i tell people a lot like i just stayed in the fight okay you know my my recruiting class had like 31 dudes in it and by the time i was a junior we only had like 15 of those cats still there okay so So a lot of dudes just just dropped out they weren't used to the workload Mm -hmm. you know i mean you get you get a lot of these guys in these recruiting classes supreme athletes yeah but they come from a structure where you know either it's a small town you know Mm -hmm. i mean they're not used to they can they can not go to class the whole day right 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 and still show up for practice Mm -hmm. or show up for a game and be good like you couldn't get away with that oklahoma state no yeah exactly you just couldn't you couldn't uh, very few colleges could you get away with that unless you're just like you know what i mean like 
really, 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 good. really, yeah. really, really good. And there's <laughs> some stories about guys I've heard that maybe get away with it, but still, yeah, like they just weren't used to that lifestyle, right? You know, right. being up at six a.m. six a.m. Mm-hmm. got to go work out, mm-hmm. then you got to go to class straight after, and then you probably get like an hour and a half, maybe an hour before you had to be at meetings in the afternoon and mm-hmm. practice was just three hour practice in the hot sun full yeah, pads Oklahoma yeah. and then you get done you go to the training table get your meal and then you gotta go to st- a study hall I mean that's a full day you don't have any time to yourself yeah, yeah there's nothing and so, so most guys aren't used to that so you think it's actually all mental at that point then yeah really, really oh, what made the difference oh my gosh yeah it's about how bad you want it and mm-hmm. I mean if you're gonna stay in the fight so was that always your goal though like even getting from high school you're like dude I'm gonna be in the NFL or like what the mental state for you to even get there though honestly not i was just good to be out of you know louisiana <laughs> okay what you know what i mean i was literally that, yeah. i was literally one of the first people i was probably the second person at that time in my entire family mom and dad to go to college okay you're right, right yeah so i just wanted a different life honestly if i didn't make the nfl i just wanted a degree and just you know try to Mm-hmm. Try to you know change the, the the family outlook. I guess if you yeah. want to say that for sure. And I mean, I, I'm sure obviously getting out there definitely helped and, and get away from that. Um, so we'll jump into that a little bit more. Let's talk about you know leading up to actually getting drafted, right? Because I mean, that's that's the big thing, right? That's where you have a lot of uncertainty. Like, do I actually get picked up by the NFL or not, right? So walk me through your mentality there. Were you like for sure, like I'm gonna be in, it's gonna be no question, or were you like, ooh, I don't know, man? Like I I didn't really get that sense until after my sophomore year. Okay. You know what I mean? I started getting some attention, um, in like some some national magazines from one of the top linemen. Okay. In the country. So at that point it became a reality. Mm-hmm. You know? Um anybody who knows me, like I'm a humble dude. I don't ever, you know Yeah. I'm not braggadocious by any means. Um, but at that point, I kind of knew that, hey, I might have the ability to, mm-hmm. to play. There might be a difference right here. Yeah, 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 no doubt. So what was it like, if I may kind of interject? It's you, man. Yeah. Uh, what was it like leading up to your senior year, going into the draft, and then being drafted in the later rounds? Oh, what that's, was, what that, was that like? That's all. That was all pressure-packed. You, you talk about a stressful situation because – at that point, I didn't know it was a reality. Yeah, did you guys have? I mean, you had a bowl game coming up to that. Did oh you yeah, guys qualify your senior year. Yeah, we uh, we went six and six, played Independence Bowl in Shreveport. Okay, played against Alabama mm-hmm. and won. I think it was like thirty-one to twenty-eight. That was my last college game, but but leading Beating up Alabama, to, that's yeah, gonna, that's gonna be sweet, man. That, that Hang was your hat on that one. <laughs> yeah, right. That was the year Saban got hired. So mm-hmm. so the guy that wouldn't recruit you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you ended up you ended yeah. up getting a W. Over yeah, it. that's sweet victory. Yeah, right there, no doubt, man. man. It was it was cool. That's yeah, excellent. you beat the SEC team your last you know last game of your career. Mm-hmm. That's pretty big. Yeah, that's a huge thing. So then you go from the college arena, which is um, you know in some places bigger than NFL. I mean, like you know in Oklahoma, if you're an OU fan, you're you're well over the top of pretty much any other yeah. team. You don't you don't care. Like you don't fly Dallas or anything. You just fly. Right. OU, right? So a lot of places that is like the thing. So did you see a big shift in in like how people noticed you personally going from from college being a you know pretty high level college player into NFL? Was it a shift around you as well? Yeah, yeah, I'd say so because the spotlight's on you more. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're in college, you're you're in that like almost I won't call it a bubble, but you're in your own little world. Like mm-hmm. I was in Stillwater, but going to like you know, Foxborough, mm-hmm. Indianapolis, Detroit, 
Mm-hmm. Like people saw you around town, they knew you were a right. Without question, they knew who you. Yeah, were. you know, they knew you played professional football. Okay, you know, what I mean, like yeah. you just you you got that sense. People will come up and even ask you. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, it was just I I tell people this all the time. Like when you get to the NFL, mm-hmm. it's it's just, it's a different spotlight. Yeah, it's not so much a bigger light. Is it brighter? The light is brighter. Yeah, yeah, heard yeah. that. The light is way brighter. So you went uh, from obviously uh, OSU and you got picked up uh, by the Patriots, right? That was your first team. Yep. Okay. And then what was it? Six round? Is that what I remember? Six round. Six round. Yeah. Um, so jumping into that's pretty early round, you know, for for you know alignment any, anything really. Um, so what was your reaction once you got picked up? Though was it like you were just ecstatic, like freaking out, like you did all that, or were you like? All right, cool. <laughs> it was almost like a sense of relief. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I was projected like third or fourth round. I didn't oh, really? Sixth round, so maybe those things happen all the time. Yeah. Not looking back on it, but um, mm-hmm. it was almost like a sense of relief, and then like it was just like, okay, I got to get to work. Right. So like third round came, and you were like, shit. <laughs> fourth round came, like, Jesus Christ. Well, and the thing about it too is you have the first round on day one, right? Right. And then you have rounds two and three on day two, right? So it's a couple of days out. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, it yeah. even adds to that stressor, and then yeah. four through seven all mm-hmm. go on the same day, and it right, takes. Right. Now, I mean, there's not as much pageantry and stuff like that, but yeah, yeah it's it's all. It still takes yeah. a while, and I can't imagine just sitting there waiting for him to call my name, man. That'd mm-hmm. be crazy. It was the longest day ever. So did you yeah. get a phone? call before the draft yeah, or before got, they made the pick they got a phone call uh, who called you was it belichick it was a massachusetts number so i it was uh pioli who was the okay. gm and then you put belichick on the line okay. oh so you got both of them yeah there. so both of them talked to me say hey we're gonna take you with this kid <laughs> we were like what you did you know blah 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 that's excellent can't wait to get you in the building and all that so um i've got a good friend of mine who's a huge patriots fan and i told him i was like hey i'm gonna have this guy on um, and I was like, no questions about Brady, but uh, <laughs> I was like, let's get a let's get a real. Man, question. I went there long enough. He probably won't even. What, you got, actually, real question about Brady. What do you think about him switching teams? Uh, I like it. Are you yeah? a Tampa fan this no, year? No, <laughs> I'm a New Orleans Saints fan. Man. He, yeah, born yeah. and raised. He hated, That's he hated playing rival. the Buccaneers, yeah. bro. He bro they were so damn it, big. <laughs> I remember uh, the week you guys played those guys, man. You were like. They had the biggest defensive line. Well, that was Miami. That's the, the oh the Dolphins, the, the Dolphins. Not the Buccaneers. We played them the next week though. But I remember yeah. telling you that story. Oh like, my the gosh! That literally ever was it like three sixty. <laughs> bro, they were all six eight six nine, and it was a three four defense. Jesus you know what I mean? Christ. So you got two hit up ends <laughs> and a nose tackle, and they were all six imagine. eight. Yeah. It was stupid. Yeah, <laughs> that's nuts, dude. So his question he put out there for me um, was. Was there the Patriot Way atmosphere you always hear about? Is that a thing? Yeah, that's a thing. That's definitely a thing. It's called okay. hard work. Well, sure, obviously, but no like, fun. is that what? So what? Like, I've never heard of the Patriot Way. Um, is other than just hard work? It's like, a very, it's actually? a very business-like atmosphere. So, like for example, they are notorious, if I'm not mistaken, for mm-hmm. taking like first-round picks mm-hmm. and putting them on special teams, making them play oh, heck positions yeah. that they've never played yeah. since high school. Yeah. Okay, like asking veterans to do things that veterans don't do in other organizations. Yeah. Would okay. that be accurate? Yeah, it's very accurate. There's no one person bigger than the team. Okay, it's, it's very much. Um, I've been on other teams in the league where right. you know star players would get treatment. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like that in New England. Okay. 
So it sounds like that would actually be a better thing, though, right? Like, help keep people a little more humble then. Yeah, for a coach, heck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for the players. Bro, players bro like, oh, when, you can, when you can curse out Tom Brady, my first meeting with when everybody got together, because yeah. the rookies were there for a while before the vets came back in the offseason. Right. But our first meeting with the whole team there, he throws on the 2006 AFC Championship, and they lost to the Colts. Mm-hmm. In, uh, in Indianapolis, it was like a classic game. Yeah. And that's the first thing. He walks in, shuts the lights off. This is vets coming back from their offseason vacation. All right. Shuts the lights off and turns on the AFC championship game and, prese- and proceeded. The first two plays was about Tom Brady. Oh, Lord. And he's just got the fucking red dot. He's like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> You know what I mean? This guy's wide open. You're trying to make this throw. We're fucking, we're two minutes away from the Super Bowl, and you decide to throw this bullshit. And I'm just looking around like, oh, shit, he's talking about Tom Brady because that's all we do. (laughs) He's throwing the ball. I was like, fuck. Just ripping him from the Bro, you got to understand that this time Tom Brady had three Super Bowl rings. Oh, yeah, yeah. Three. Three. Uh, How many MVPs with those? A lot. Two. I think two out of the three MVPs. But bro, so this is like this is to set the tone. Like yeah. I'm coming in here and I'm gonna curse your ass out first. Yeah, yeah, everybody right. getting and it. You yeah. the guy. You, yeah, you know what I mean. If I could touch it. you, I could touch any around any motherfucker in this right. locker room. I can curse out if I can. Made curse you, you rethink out. it for a second. I and Tom go, sat there and took it. No, I'm sure. Yeah. What do you do? Like, yeah, you couldn't <laughs> do shit. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> you couldn't do nothing. Yeah, I can. Even, I can only imagine at that point. I mean, but that's. That actually, to me though, makes a lot more sense. Like that—that that sets the tone for everybody, right? Like that. Yeah, but the, that's the Patriot way. That—that that don't yeah. happen on other yeah. teams. No. That was the only team that ever happened on when I was in the NFL. Okay. Yeah, and so uh, to kind of add on to that, so you were with the Patriots up until the last week of preseason, whenever they made final cuts. Is yeah, that they, yeah. The day after the last preseason game, they cut me. Yeah, because he okay. didn't quite make the fifty-three man roster. What was that experience like? Mm-hmm. Can you kind of explain for someone that doesn't really understand the intricacies about? practice squad and that kind of stuff you know what i'm talking about yeah why um, indy picked you up yeah so you got a 53 man roster that's who you go into the season with you got an extra at that point it was like five or six practice squad players that you take with you Mm. but those guys don't i mean they get paid pennies on a dollar to what you would if you're on a roster okay we're talking about like thirty seven hundred dollars a week after taxes it's okay, still yeah, good money. You're talking about yeah, yeah, no, it's if, not a if bad If you ride day. the practice squad the whole year, you're probably gonna make like 80 Gs. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I ain't even make that. Like they was just like, get out. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? And so I, when you're when you're at that level and and you get drafted, do you get sign on bonuses or anything at least to help out? Yeah, I got a sign on bonus. Uh, it was like 55 K. Okay. Because I was a late six round pick, but it's like a sliding scale onto where they'll pay you a signing bonus. Gotcha. So after a certain point, you get picked up on and just not get anything. Yeah, you could. Yeah. But some free agents after the draft, like as soon as the draft is over, you have priority free agents. And those dudes, you know, you can negotiate a signing bonus. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, so then um, you get actually, you get cut from the team at the very end of the season, right? Yeah. Beginning. Um, at the beginning the of the season. At the very beginning, yeah. Okay. So then you got picked up uh, by the like Colts. Like three weeks later, I was I got picked up by the Indianapolis. So what's that What's that interim feel like? What What, what was going on there, man? The, the three weeks? Yeah. Uh, just working out. Praying, hoping, yeah. wishing. Because you're not really having any income at that point, right? If they cut you, know. you, you got it. nothing, yeah, right? You, you're jobless. <laughs> yeah, that, and that's got to be a scary thought in itself. Because, I mean, you worked everything up to this point to get here, and then it's like, oh, shit, like, that's, yeah. that's gone. Scared. Yeah. How yeah. many days in a row did you talk to your agent? 
<laughs> I won't say days in a row, but it was a okay. lot of conversations. He he know he did a great job because he checked in on me like almost every day, made sure I was working out. Yeah, you know what I mean. Made mm-hmm. sure I was staying in shape, so when I had a workout that popped up, yeah, I'd be ready. That's so. cool. So then you switched over to the Colts. Now on the Colts, if I remember right, you were actually on the roster, right? You it, it took they picked me up like week four mm-hmm. of that season. I spent the first four or five weeks, I believe, on practice squad, and then they signed me to the active roster. Okay, so emotionally, that had to be. You know, pretty up there, right? I mean, because you just went from getting drafted and then getting cut to, you know, practice squad. Like, okay, now I'm actually making this happen, right? Yeah. Okay. How many games did you actually get that year? I'd probably say seven. Okay. So that's a pretty good That's a pretty good number of games. Yeah. You know, especially. You only need three to get a credit a season. Okay. So. So when you actually got there, you know, the difference between, you know, being on a uh, practice squad to actually playing the games, other than obviously being on the games, is there a difference in routine for you? Uh, yeah, because you, you travel, you go to the team hotel if it's a home game, or mm-hmm. you fly with the team if it's a away game. Okay. Um, and the check. And the check. <laughs> the, check the check is substantially different. Yeah, 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 I can imagine, yeah. But that's the only thing that changes. Like, I, I've been I've been on teams where there was one year they drew out their Riley Reef when I was in Detroit. Mm-hmm. And I, I signed – that yeah, they drafted him to replace me. Still made the team somehow. Okay. Right? I, I, and I signed that year a tender for one point two million that year. Okay. Okay. And didn't dress a game. Damn. On the fifty three man roster, but you can only dress forty. Forty five. Forty four. Yeah. You can only dress forty five players. That's so nuts. every week there's eight dudes. On the team just that getting paid don't to hang dress, out. yeah. So, like, obviously, so are you watching the game from home, or, like, what do you do for that, out of curiosity? Like, No, you're on, you're on the sideline. Oh, that, you're just hanging out? And, yeah, 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 just clothes. But you're not in pads. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Those, yeah, yeah. You see those guys that are hanging out in kind of the camo mm-hmm. with the team logo on it and the hats and all that, but they're not suited out, ready yeah. to play? Okay. Those are those eight dudes. Yeah, yeah. and then uh, the practice squad dudes if it's a home game. So yeah. if you're a practice squad, you got to hang out on the sideline with the rest of the inactive. Right, right. Is what they call them if you're in the squad but not suiting up. Right. So when you when you actually got there and, and you you know actually got hit on the team, um, you played out. How many seasons did you end up going with the Colts? Two. Two. Okay. So Two. second season, uh, you get active game as well, or how many games did you play in the second? I think I, I want to say I got like six or seven, and then okay. I spent the rest of the time on practice squad. Um, and then going into that third year, I was on the team. I got cut midway through preseason. Okay. So how does the shifting work between those things? Is it just like, um, you know, one of the coaches actually looking over and saying, okay, we, we're going to make this adjustment here. So you're going to step back. And then, you know, how, how does that politic uh, man, they, work? They, they don't even tell you. Okay, so so tell me how it works then, out of curiosity, because to right, me so, it seems like it might be political. In which case, uh, not like political, like you know, current age politics, obviously, but like um, certain pieces and parts make you a little bit better here, a little bit better there, just enough to where we're saying we're going to do this. So how how does it actually work? Well, so practice every day in practice, like you have to ball out and, and to make it short, right? Mm-hmm. Like you get evaluated every practice. The GM walks watches every single drill heard that 
Like every so single you, drill. I've been, I've been. You got to impress every yeah. single practice. Dude, the GM, the GM in Indianapolis came up to me one time and said, "Hey, man, I was watching the pass rush one on one pass rush from yesterday. You did a really good job on Freeney. Okay, really good job. And you were like, hell yeah. And I was like, this dude watches pass rush." Right at that point, I was like, "This dude watches every fucking practice, mm-hmm. every part of it. Seven on seven, pass rush, inside drill, team, mm-hmm. all of it. They evaluate you every single rep, every single day. So you can't even really have like an off day because, no, like in most you have, industries, you bro, have takes, like that yeah, shitty day. You, have, you can have a shitty week in most industries. They, yeah. You have two shitty days. You're you're on notice. No shit. No shit." Man, so, I had two shitty days um, my second year in Indianapolis, and the assistant, this isn't the assistant O-line coach to tell me, like, hey, you know, we're asking you to do this. You're not really doing it. You know, this is after two days, and he was like, um, like you either got to change it or, I mean, like, he kind of looked at me like, you know, started laughing, and I was like, oh, okay. Like, oh, shit. Yeah. 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 So, like, when you're having a shitty day, and, and you know, for people who'd never had that <laughs> level of pressure... Right, like, how do you mentally shift into like, okay, not doing that shit? What, no more. what do they call it? Decompartmentalizing? Is that what it's called? Uh, compartmentalizing, where you yeah, separate shit, yeah. bro. You got to leave that shit at the door, like, le- like hard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a big stage, so you know that's. Yeah. You know, I always talk about it when when you talk about you know any industry and you're you move up the chain and you get this bigger scale and you get to see more and your 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 perspective gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, when you're at that kind of level, I mean, you're you're you know fifteen twenty thousand foot view at that point. Um, you know, it, it's it sounds a lot easier for a lot of people to say like, "Oh yeah, man, I just quit thinking about it," right? But at that point, like in my head, like I think I would be all like, "You Shit, think more, now. man? Yeah, yeah, yeah right." You get in exactly. your own head. Here's a here's a the thing with the NFL. It's a bottom line industry. Okay, they don't give a shit about your feelings, how you feel that day. Only thing that matters is if you win, produce. Yeah, that's it. So. What if you're if, not helping me win, you don't mean shit to us. I don't care if you just had a baby. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you just got a divorce. I don't care if somebody just died. Whatever catastrophe you had in your life. Mm-hmm. Well, to kind of put it into context, I mean, just the physical stress that you would put yourself through because you had to perform. Yeah. Talk about talk about the Vikings game whenever you're playing with Detroit. You've got Riley uh, coming into the draft, I think. I don't think he was quite drafted yet. I think Jeff Backus was still there. And Bacchus went out, and then Chairless had, like, two crappy games in a row, and then you come up playing the Vikings. Oh, that, yeah, okay, so the this was broke, it. Go ahead. Mm. Was this the year I broke my foot? Yeah. Oh, that, was, this was my last year. Okay. Um. So they already had Riley. Yeah, they already had Riley at that point. Okay. But, I mean, shoot, man, some of my most <laughs> life, life-learning lessons in football have come against the Vikings. I shit you not. <laughs> just something well, about one that. of his one of his best friends in college was a viking for oh, the really? longest yeah, time charlie no johnson yeah. okay who's yeah. the offensive line coach at stillwater high school right now okay yeah. okay so then let's push a little more into the uh the nfl stuff and then we'll switch gears okay. so you obviously you know went from uh the colts and you got uh, dropped out of them after a few seasons where did you go next i went to cleveland browns the browns so okay I had, a, I had a short three month stint with the browns yep okay i went there mid training camp and then i think it was a week after thanksgiving detroit called and i was like hey we want to pick you up off yeah. the practice squad and put you on the roster it was like week 12 okay yeah so then yeah. you finished out your career at detroit right yep six years well technically 
Are we not claiming the last one? No, well, I didn't actually suit up. <laughs> the, one you did, the one you didn't report to. Okay, that's that's. I, I reported. I, I reported to the New York Jets for like three weeks. And yeah, right. I just, I, my, At that point, physically like, and mentally, done. I was just done playing football. Yeah, retired. But, gotcha. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk about getting into uh, Detroit then, because that was your longest stint. That's when you got the most games, right? Yeah. Um, I remember um, Nick sending me video of you actually being um, on camera and shit. Like, yeah. what, what, what win was it? I don't <laughs> remember what win it playing, was. They were playing like, the Cowboys. Cowboys, yeah. yeah that's and, what it was. Uh, we were like 4-0 or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it was. And yeah. So he's coming off the field and – NFL Network catches yeah. him as they're walking off, and he gives the old four and zero and gives the old fish face. That's yeah. what it was. Yeah, Kiss the camera. What it was. He was yeah, so pretty back then. I was right. <laughs> so that last stint, that six year stint, that that is probably the bulk of your career at that point, yeah. right? Combined with everything else, I yeah. mean, that's the bulk. Um, so, did you actually end up moving to Detroit, or did you end up staying down here? Because I know when you're getting picked up, usually you have like a, a team apartment, or like you stay up there for you know small stuff during the season. But did you actually end up moving to Detroit, or what did you end up doing there? How did so that I had work like out? a condo and an apartment up there. Okay, um, and I switched apartments like two or three times when I was in Detroit. But I bought a house here in 2011. And you just kept it the entire time? I kept time? it the entire time. Okay. You know, my first three years, I was on four teams. Right, you know right. I, mean? I was yeah. on it for the record. I was about to get kicked out the league. <laughs> either, either one. You right, know what I mean? Right. So I was just like, look, we need to buy a house here. Yeah. So if I get cut again, like, you, you know, I told my wife that because by 2011, we had just, we were just about to have my second child. Gotcha. So... You know, there it's one of those things that, you know, obviously you get up there, you start, you know, getting the work going in Detroit. Um, how was the, the culture in comparison to what you had done previously? Did you think that was like the place for you? Is that why you think you stuck there for so long? Or why do you think you made it so much longer in Detroit versus anywhere else? Man, that was a that was a straight up do or die situation. Because um, at that point, like I said, that was my fourth team in three years. So mm-hmm. I felt like that was this is my, my last shot. Okay, so you think you were actually worked harder to be there at that point? I, I, a lot of things just came together at the right time. Like I started work, learning work ethic, film study. Okay. Um, I got some lucky breaks. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, all that, all those things just came together at one time. Very gotcha. fortunate. An NFL career, you're talking about a choice or a decision. Some one person's words. Mm-hmm. Away from being a three-year guy to a, a, a nine or ten-year guy, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's 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 so it's such a fine line of margin. Yeah, absolutely. So when you're when you're pushing into um, a place like Detroit and you're actually you know running that for quite some time, um, how was your family dealing with that back and forth? Because I can imagine that had to be tough, man. Because like we got out of the military because I was having to do like trips all over the place. Like yeah. that's that's you know a shitty way to do but you guys obviously had it different because no it is i mean just put yourself in my shoes and you got to move your whole family you mm-hmm. know twice a year yeah exactly you know twice a year i mean if we did the best we could yeah, yeah. We, we were upbeat about it as much as we could be but you mm-hmm. know what i mean it's, it's a hard deal right did you have kids in school at that time uh my daughter when right before i retired she was in like kindergarten doing okay. almost first grade um, so, I mean, I retired 2015, my, my son was born 2012, so he was only three, like, he, mm-hmm. the, the school issue wasn't with him, it was more with her. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, like, she would adapt it if I'd have continued to play longer. Yeah, you um, didn't have to, right? That's, that's just one of those things that come with the territory, though, because when you're making so much money, mm-hmm. 
Like you'll put up with more bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it's wrong. like we're looking yeah. at each other like, fuck, we got to move at the end of the year. But that check looked nice yeah, come but Sunday. You, but the checks look good. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Wifey wants something, you can afford it. Yeah, you know right. I mean? You really don't ever, ever have to say no. Mm-hmm. So like, people will put up with as much as what they want to put up with at For the sure. end of the day. So let's go into um, you know the financial aspect of it a little bit. Obviously, you made great money. That's not a question, right? Yeah. So you set yourself up for retirement. You always hear about these guys who blow all their money and then they get out and have nothing at all. <laughs> yeah. um, were you seeing those guys and being like, I gotta, I gotta plan myself out better? Or what did, what was your mentality with the uh, financial side? Man, my mentality was, I knew I didn't make enough to just sit on my ass when I retired. Okay. So I mean, you're not not wrong there. I mean, no, that's yeah, everybody, right? Well, here, most guys get out, and this is the two mistakes they make. Mm-hmm. They either want to open up their own business. And you're talking about guys that never went to business school, right? Right. No business. Acumen. No. Yeah. You went to college. You yeah. didn't learn. You got money to start a business. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But you don't have education mm-hmm. and everything Experience. that goes along with running the business. Yeah. And so they crap out. Mm-hmm. They they pour a lot of their money into it, and then it's just it's right, over. Right. Or a lot of guys simply are just paying for their whole family. Yeah, I've I've heard that before. You know like I, mean? I bought my mom this, I bought my yeah, dad this. Yeah, that's the critical. They this. don't know how to say no, so that's the yeah. two critical positions that I try to say. I've not that I started my own business. Yes, that I poured my a lot of money into it. Yes, mm-hmm. I knew when to say this is not going nowhere. Mm-hmm. I shut it down. But I never did the second one. I never yeah. just you know gave family members money just to give it to them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I it got to a point where I was just tell people, "Look, man, I'm broke." And they'd be like, "Oh my god, are you serious?" I'm like, "Yeah, man, yeah, I wasted totally. all my money." <laughs> and I hang up the phone laughing. You, you made you know yourself I mean? your own yeah, stereotype yeah. on that one. <laughs> it's hard to tell somebody that you love and respect, and there's always been in your life, no. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, and and that's one thing that's always an interesting concept, right? Like yeah. you know. They always say like you know you'll really find out you know who's the leeches after you start actually yeah. making oh, no something doubt. right yeah no doubt um, so I get that you know so let's let's transition to you actually retiring so um, you had broken your foot I remember hearing about that yeah um, my and then, in Detroit right so then do you think it's something that it was just mentally physically you're like all right cool I'm done uh, or did you have that like back mind hopeful like well maybe the foot will recover faster and maybe I'll be able to keep running or did you have any of that, or was it just like not nah, done? Not a foot. You know what? The foot actually recovered pretty well. Pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. So one, I signed that one year deal with the Jets, mm-hmm. vet minimum, um, and I was up there for like three, almost four weeks. Mm-hmm. So almost a month. Yeah. Working out with the team and whatnot, and the foot was great. I think mentally and physically, I had just had enough. I just turned thirty, mm-hmm. and everybody's got a breaking point. Yeah. We all do. Yeah, for if you sure. play professional football, everybody's got their their expiration date. And I started writing a lot, journaling a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I spent a heavy two weeks talking myself out of wanting to retire. Okay, so at that point, you you were already contemplating. And still you did woke it. up yeah. the last day like I'm just fucking done. Yeah, like I need some me time. Well, not only that, but like physically, mm-hmm. I thought I was out of the fight. Um. Everything just hurt. Everything still hurts, right? <laughs> Not like these dudes are like seven feet tall hitting you at, I don't know, yeah. 15, 20 miles an hour. It's yeah. fine. It's a, it, <laughs> like, football is a young man's game. Absolutely. The, the the GM for the Lions said that, like my seventh or sixth year there. And it's the truest thing, one of the truest things I've ever heard mm-hmm. in life. Yeah. It's a young man's game. Did the organization itself have anything to do with the Jets? Your, your choice? 
as far as facilities oh, or coaching oh, the, or anything like that so about the, not coming back. To oh play. no, man. I was pissed about it <laughs> because because the facilities were better. Right? It was the best facilities, the best fucking food, he, the he, best support. <laughs> like the New York Jets, they might suck on the field, but they love their. But players. they don't take care of their people. Fuck, man! They ran a, a class A organization. Yeah, dude, it was the best. Heard that? Shit, you not by far <laughs> out of all five teams I played for. He the got, fucking best. He got tempted. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I, was like, I can't retire now. Like right. I made it here. I finally got good food. <laughs> this is like <laughs> I got the food. I got shit. the massage. Bro. Let's go. I was like, damn. But at that mentally, like when you get to that point, like even that didn't matter. Right. Right. Yeah. That's you know what funny. I mean? Like that didn't matter. So then um, you retire. So what is retirement looking like as a uh, player? Like were you just like okay? I've already got plans in motion in my head of what I'm going to do. Or like, you're just like, dude, I'm done. I'm going to go home. Bro, you, you, you could have dropped me off in a foreign place and just like said, and just slap me on the butt on the way out the car. Good luck, like, buddy. There you go. See ya and pull off. You've been like, I'm good. Yes, I'm out. I'm I done. didn't, I had no, I had thoughts and ideas of what I wanted to do. Yeah. But when you've done something for 16 years, all of, dating back all the way to high school. Yeah, for sure. More than half your life. More, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. More, yeah, that's more than half my life at the time. Like, I was just, I was like, what now? Yeah. So then you came back home, obviously, got yeah. the family. You're like, hey, guys, we ain't got to move no more. Like, you're good. <laughs> yeah. Um, wife's probably relieved, all the good stuff there. Yeah. Um. So what would you do next? I remember you opened up um, I like opened up training. Game Time Performance. There that, is, yeah. that, that took me, like, almost a year after I retired to open up. Okay. Um, because at that point, I was really into fitness, and I had lost a bunch of weight. And, um, you know what I mean? I thought that's what I wanted to do. So – um, when you say what well, is anytime fitness, right? Oh, game time fitness. Game time. Game fitness. time performance. Game time performance. Yeah. Okay, so when you're looking at um, getting into it, was that like just a workout uh, kind of concept, CrossFit kind of feel? Was, it was more for it was geared more for student athletes, uh, high school, mm-hmm. college, um, you know, youth. Okay, um, so it was um, sports oriented. Sports oriented, yeah. 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 But then. So at that point, this is the first time you're self-marketing at this point, right? Yeah. yeah. So then, you know, when you're looking at getting into a uh, self-promoting concept, right? Because, I mean, the basic theory at that point, if it's sports-based, is that you're probably having to have parents, you know, pay you to do a camp for people, right? Yeah. That's the basic rundown. Yeah. So you didn't have any experience doing anything like that, right? You had agents, you had somebody else doing promotions, and whenever you need to be transferred or, you know, changing teams. Right. How did you be like, okay, yeah, I can do this this easily? Or, like, what did it take for you to understand? And the self marketing place, a lot of trial and error. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean that that me learning how to do that job and be my own businessman, own my own business was just all on the fly. Okay, because so, like I said earlier, like no, I had no experience of even doing that. Yeah, none. Do you think you were successful? Uh, yes and no. Obviously, the business failed. Um, if I had more money, you can to have pump a failing it, business and, and be still, successful. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what I was gonna say. Because I learned a lot about myself. Mm-hmm. I learned a lot of what nots, um, what to do in that certain situation, what not to do. Mm-hmm. I think that kind of prepped me for my, you know, what I do now. But uh, at the time, if you'd asked me when I was closing the doors, I was like, hell yeah, I'm a failure. But now that I look back on it, I did something that a, a very few people mm-hmm. in our country get to do, which is, you know, open their own business. Mm-hmm. You know I mean? Yeah, which is, it's a crazy concept um, that, 
opening a business is actually extremely hard to do nowadays it's because the, it's the fucking most stressful thing yeah, in the world. And not just financially, mentally, but then you also have all the regulation stuff that goes with it on yeah. top of a million different things. You know, you always hear about these stories of people coming out and, you know, starting business with like 10 bucks and you're like, you're out of your fucking mind. That's not a thing. Anymore. <laughs> that, that does not exist anymore. Um, so with that, you, you did that and then now you're coaching, right? That's yeah. What, I coach and teach now. Yeah. So you teach, what are you teaching? Uh, math. Okay. So I teach pre-algebra and geometry. So were you already a math guy or was like that was like what you got slotted into? No, did- you know, I did that for a year at Rogers actually, at Will Rogers mm-hmm. before I got to Metro. But coming up, that was like always one of my better subjects. Okay. Not my best subject. Right. Did you have to uh, re-prep yourself to teach it? Oh, hell Cause yeah. Because like I can tell you right now, like I know I took pre-algebra. Couldn't do a lick of it Hell, if I had yeah. to. I had to look, bro. They gave me the curriculum when I took that job in Will Rogers midway through the through the school year. Oh shit, you didn't have like any summer prep or no. anything. Like, and I'm oh, you want to be a teacher? Here you go. I'm like, oh my gosh, like I don't remember some of this stuff. So <laughs> you know what I mean? And this is yeah. you know teaching seventh graders. So yeah. it, was a, it was a serious deal. Oh man. yeah, I can imagine. Ma- look, math's one of those subjects that nobody likes. You don't fucking get up for math class. Right, unless Otherwise, you're some like, kind of weird engineer or something. Yeah, you're not walking to the fucking, you know, between periods. Oh, I got math next. Like, this is going to be awesome. Right, no. right, right. <laughs> Nobody says that. Right. So I got to deal with all that bullshit on top of it. But you know what? Um, it was always one of my best subjects, so I like I like trying to teach it. Okay. So do you did you have, like, the mindset saying, like, all right, I'm going to be a coach and just have to teach on the side? Or were you thinking, like, I'm going to be a teacher and then – coach as well like no the, the, the mindset the... the mindset was definitely coaching honestly man i got to the point in my life where i just i didn't know what i wanted to do mm-hmm. and then the realization came one day i was like i just want to coach i was sitting on my couch and i remember it, i was just like fuck man i just want to coach that's all i want to do right and i kind of looked up and i like prayed almost prayed I felt like a half prayer and i was like god all i want to do is coach literally looked up to my ceiling yeah and shit you not i got a text message like 10 minutes later from Marlon Houston, he was a head football coach at Will Rogers, and he was like, "Hey, big dog, I need a coach." Scariest, one of the scariest things. You're like, wait a minute, life. what? I was like, no way, bro. Yeah. I was sitting there like, this did not just happen. Like literally, at, at that point, I had poured my heart out mm-hmm. internally, and then looked up to the sky and asked God, like, dude, all I want to do is coach. And he literally ten minutes later was like, bam, there you go. I heard that. So then you you started at Will Rogers, which I know Metro and Will Rogers are both kind of inner city Tulsa, which yeah. uh, for anybody outside of the Tulsa, that's not like, you know, inner city like a lot of places. Like Tulsa's still pretty nice overall, but um, Rogers are, Rogers used to be a little more a ru- a atypical, yeah. but uh, they shut down the school mm-hmm. for a couple of years to get the high schoolers out, change the culture and everything. Right. And so that's that. whenever Corey came in back in 2017. 2016. You might 17 sounds right. Maybe 18 ish. Yeah, somewhere in that range. Because you were there for two years. You've been at Metro for one. One. I was. I was Will Rogers one year. And oh, were you Metro only Rogers one? Yeah. Good Seems grief. like a lot more, doesn't it? Yeah. So it, it was a really long year. I remember. <laughs> it was. That experience almost broke me. Man. I was going to say. Yeah. So when you're I came over, yeah, I, I came over and helped out during the summer because they needed more coaches. Mm-hmm. But the way everything worked out and the positioning just. It didn't work out for me, so I ended up staying in Owasso. Mm-hmm. But I had helped out like all summer, giving kids rides and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. And the situation was it was bleak. It was so stressful for Corey because he's coming from plenty or mm. 
programs that had plenty and then going to Rogers and man, it's completely depleted. Like oh, there yeah. was nothing there. I mean, they had some really nice equipment because TPS had poured into it, but they're, they're building a new stadium for them this year, mm. getting all of that kind of stuff taken care of. So I really think Rogers is turning around, but the year that he was there, man, it was just, well, so that was going to be the question though, right? So you're transitioning from, you know, if you think about the timeline, this is kind of the thing, like you're, you're at a, you know, high level NFL, you know, actual athlete, then you switch over, do your own business thing that kind of depletes itself out. And then you get into, you know, teaching slash coaching, um, honestly, in probably one of the toughest spots in Tulsa in reality. Um, no doubt. So when you're jumping into that, that's a different kind of mental stress, right? Because it's not just you anymore. Before it was just you, just you, just you. And you had to worry about the team and everything else, but they had to worry about themselves and they did well with it. Right. You know, this is now you're trying to worry about, you know, a thousand moving parts all at the same time. Um, what do you, do you think anything prepared you for that at all? My whole life playing football. The only that 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 worked yeah, for it. That was it. Enough. And relatable. I got an education degree, but uh, look, that degree, I don't think it really meant anything. Mm-hmm. Other, you got with Will Rogers. I was dealing with kids that needed rides, mm-hmm. and I go pick them up, and their mom or dad would be home. Interesting. This is this is kind of dynamic. Like, yeah. Literally, parents that didn't want to pour into their own kids, mm. right? Yeah, it was, it was such a it was such an overwhelming experience because these kids literally had nothing. There was no hope. You're coming off of a 0 and 10 season. Then the year I was there, they were 0 and 10. It was just it was depressing. Mm-hmm. So depressing. Yeah, not winning a single game definitely. No, and you got to come back every Monday and. And just try to tell them to keep working harder. We're getting mm-hmm. our brains beat out. You know what I mean? We show up to the stadium. There's, They knew there was no chance. Right. But so was there any kind of success story in your mind leaving there? Or, or do you feel you made a, an impact enough to be able to say, like, I was successful in this in this place at least a little bit? Personally, yeah, because when I left there, a lot of those kids were like, hey, coach, we wish you were the head coach. So on a personal note, that was mm-hmm. a success because I felt yeah. like before I left, I didn't know if I had made a difference. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You sit there and then a day from, I would ask myself, am I even making a difference? Right. Absolutely. Right. And you don't realize that until you're out the door mm-hmm. or with a foot out the door that they're telling you, man, man you mean so much to us. Mm-hmm. And you get those comments and it broke my heart. Yeah. It still breaks my heart. You know what I mean? Because I know, I know the situation that a lot of those kids are in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it hurts like hell. It really does. Yeah, it was tough. I remember, uh, like, we'd feed them on the way home, mm-hmm. and some of the kids would be like, hey, can you drive around the block? Because if you take me home, I'm going to have to share it. Yeah. I've heard that before, yeah. yeah. That's, not, that's it, not the first time I've well, heard that. Well, yeah. it's like, you know, the it's a different expectation. They're expecting mm-hmm. their kids to provide for themselves and then bring them some. Yeah. Right. And it, it's a, it's a really tough mentality to try to break through because mm-hmm. you have to have some support mm-hmm. in order to have a successful program. That's why jinx union were so successful for so long because they had all that buy-in. That's mm-hmm. why we're seeing success in Owasso now because yeah. of the buy-in. That's why you have it there at Metro. Yeah. You guys have parent buy-in. Yeah. And so that, that for me was kind of the toughest thing is watching that, Mm-hmm. There, where you're literally one guy 
against the culture of the area yeah. and it, I've, it, I've lived that don't and, worry well and the crazy thing is is i was leading some youth kids that played basketball at the same school but they wouldn't go play football hmm. and they could have helped the football yeah, team i, I promise <laughs> i talked to them the whole damn basketball yeah, right? team oh yeah, yeah. man and, and but they so, wanted no parts of it no they didn't because they knew they saw the lack of success yeah and so like Corey was saying you know why how do you convince kids to pour everything into something mm-hmm. that nobody else cares about so with that in mind how do you think a a school you know district as a whole something like that how do you fix it what what if if you had the opportunity what do you do right because i mean you know it's one of those things that it always sucks to see it um and everybody has the opinion but very few people have actually lived it um, so in your opinion, being there, seeing it every day, what, what steps need to be taken to try to resolve something like that and actually get, um, that kind of place back on its feet? Bro, that's a great question. I'm almost inclined to say, I don't know. I mean, that's a hundred percent acceptable. I'm not even trying to be funny, but like a miracle, man. Yeah. Where would you start? You got, you got to start with a coach that's going to commit to being there for at least three to five years you you have to have that it's called stability yeah yeah, for sure well stability comes a foundation right all right so there's no foundation at a lot of those schools mm-hmm. right if, they, if you know you hire a coach that's going to bounce in two years then what are we doing right 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 if you if you're gonna it's going to say honestly i mean if the school cares that much Right, you gotta fork out a little bit more money or some kind of incentive for a coach to stay around and deal with everything. Yeah, all of that. Mm-hmm. That's a lot to deal with. Yeah, yeah. It's, you're basically you're talking about revamping the whole situation. Mm-hmm. Those kids had three straight zero and ten seasons. Jesus yeah. Christ! It's hard to find somebody that's going to sign up for that. So even at the same point, though, like you know, would the school have been better off just being all like, all right, we're shutting it down? Because that's what they basically did. Right? No, but I'm 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 of the mindset that to me that's game over. Okay, as crazy as that sounds. Well, it's it's your story. It's you stayed in the fight. Yeah, and so for you to throw in the towel and say, well, then there's nothing more I can do about it. You're accepting defeat. Yeah, yeah you. Yeah, and so mm-hmm. here at least you're still fighting against it and so i do you know anywhere in the metro right now that you can think of that's kind of made that turn um like, like are you, yeah are you familiar with edison football yeah edison yeah okay so a guy i knew back in high school his name is tony daniels he's the current athletic director and the head varsity football coach so okay. he's running both positions but tony is at every game he's literally doing what Corey. Mm-hmm. had just mentioned he's trying to set that foundation buy-in mm-hmm. for the kids and you're seeing a huge influx they're actually competing in the playoffs now yeah, they've been in the playoffs past few years like right? four or five seasons ago they were completely irrelevant yep. and now they're back in it man mm-hmm. and it's really cool to watch so i think he's right on but i think that's where you're at is you have to have somebody that's willing to pay the money mm-hmm. you have to have someone that's willing to see the value and i think that's the current thing at owasso mm. Our athletic director, whenever they brought in Bill Blankenship, didn't ask himself, who's the best guy available? He said, who's the best guy? Right. Like, if I could hire anyone, who would it be to run a football program in Oklahoma? And he's like, Bill Blankenship, duh. So they call him up in Arkansas. They make him an offer that he can't refuse because he's looking to move home, be Mm -hmm. around his grandkids. Right. Bam. Yeah. Look at Owasso, two out of three. 
Yeah. State champs now. Hadn't won one in 43 years. <laughs> Just saying. That's All the difference in the world, man. Yeah, right. Investment. Great investment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no worries. So then um, we're getting towards the end of things here. So let's let's shift into um, kind of what your advice for anybody that was in your shoes, like high school level looking forward. Like it is work hard, obviously stick to it. That's no question. But like what what are the insider tips as somebody has been in your shoes? Like what else can you do? Because everybody's going to say work hard and keep your head in the game. But sometimes that's not enough. You know, what what's the insider tip? Most kids won't understand this because it's just a different day and age. Mm -hmm. But working on your craft. If you told me you want to come up and do something, Mm -hmm. right? This is my dream. My dream is to play college football. Mm -hmm. Then honestly, what are you doing other than whatever is required from your team? Mm -hmm. All right. And having good grades. What else are you doing? Right. Right, it's all it's you know all I mean? lip service until yeah. you take actions, right? If I'm going to get up at 6 in the morning, say I wake up at 6 in the morning, am I going to play Xbox until school starts? Am I going to watch SportsCenter until school starts? Or am I going to go work out, take some extra, get a buddy, we're going to throw some balls, mm-hmm. we're going to shoot some shots? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Do you study the game at home? Does it care? Does it matter to you? Right. Are you willing to sacrifice going out and and getting drunk uh, Friday, Saturday nights, or or, or Wednesday nights? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. Those are things I didn't do in high school. Honestly, um, a lot of my friends in high school drank probably sophomore year on mm-hmm. on the weekends. Yeah, I just didn't care to do that. Right, that just wasn't my thing. That I know it was going to help me get to where I wanted to go. No. But honestly, it did. It kept me focused. Mm-hmm. It kept me grounded. You know right. what I mean? That's that's the best advice I can ever give somebody. Like, you say, if you truly say you want something, like if that's truly what you want, mm-hmm. what are you doing outside of the basic requirements? It's good. You know what I mean? I like it. It's good. Yeah, it's one of those, um, in order to have the things or to be able to do the things tomorrow that people can't do. You have to be willing to do today the things they won't Won't do. do. Right. And so it's, it's that mentality. It's how much are you like, it's not even just a skill. How much are you working on you? Mm -hmm. If you're the product, how refined is your product? Are you mm-hmm. mentally tough? Are you stable? Yeah. Are you able to handle pressure situations? Mm-hmm. You know, because the higher up the mountain you go, the mm-hmm. less oxygen, the more pressure, everything. You have less mm-hmm. resources. You have less people to depend on. Right. You know, it's it's how, how much can you grow mm-hmm. and work towards the thing you want to become? Mm-hmm. It's so, discipline. That's yeah. such a lonely spot, too. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Most people, to do that, you have to sacrifice a lot of what, A, what you want to do. Mm-hmm. All yeah. right. And then, secondly, you're probably going to be doing it by yourself because most other people ain't willing to put that time in with mm-hmm. you. It's a, very, it's a very lonely spot to be in. To care so much about something and want it so bad mm-hmm. that you will literally give up your own free will. You know, free will. Mm-hmm. Anything you really want to do in life mm-hmm. to go work on this, and you're the only one that really wants to work on it and get there, that's a lonely place to be in. And it's fucking hard. Yeah. 
It so, sucks. <laughs> I believe it. it the, sucks. the one thing that stood out in there that um, we kind of pass over, and you know, I think it's um, just as important as the drive and the will and the you know the the actual effort. But one thing that I, I think it's glossed over a lot um, is you, you mentioned it when you finally figured it out about like studying the tape and building your actual knowledge base and intelligence yes. and like the understanding like. You know, I always talk about this when we talk about UFC stuff. Like, there's a fight tonight, obviously, and they were talking about John Jones earlier. Do you know why John Jones is the best? Like, and I'll easily put John Jones against anybody. It's because his study habits, his fight IQ is insane. The dude knows more about like every style and technique and fight and motion and movement. Um, you know, grappling every single step of the way. He probably knows more than anybody out there right not only has he lived it but he studied it he looked at it he, he built his knowledge base to to be able to really understand it he has applied um, his knowledge yeah, it, yeah you can't apply it if you don't have it and, exactly you know that's, and i think yeah. that's the one big piece that you mentioned when you're talking about the the lions and then working at it and everything else um and i think that's the one piece i think it's glazed over way too often is you know it's not just you got to put in the work and you got to make yourself physically strong and you've got to have the will but you need to be willing to learn it and understand it at a level which probably other people don't get it well if you're a professional yeah people are supposed to come to you because you have knowledge that they don't have like right. i'm not going to go work on my car because i'm not a mechanic <laughs> i will pay a professional <laughs> yes. to fix my ac because mm -hmm. i don't want to put in the time the effort mm -hmm. to study it to work it and then to completely understand it ins and outs right, right. exactly and that's absolutely you know study to show yourself approved yeah because if you are a professional, mm -hmm. like you said, you claim to be a professional, I should be able to see that in how you act, how you carry yourself, because mm -hmm. the knowledge will expose itself. Yeah, no doubt. Mm -hmm. That's man, Look, it's, it's that cliche, everybody's playing checkers when I'm playing chess. Yeah, mm. it's true, though. You, you got to take it a step further. Like, mm -hmm. you may know how to play chess, but are you fucking good at chess? Right. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? You like, Carlson? you might know how to pieces move. I think it's Carlson. Right? Yeah. You know how the pieces move, but do you know how to set up your moves? Right. Do you know how to maneuver the pieces? Are you looking three steps deep? Yes. Mm -hmm. Like, how deep are you taking this chess game? Mm -hmm. All right, good. You know how to play chess now. Awesome. Sweet. Now you suck at it. Somebody's yeah, but you, you. Su you fucking suck at chess. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. yep. Like, at that point, mm -hmm. I was good at chess, but I didn't know how to fucking play it. Yeah. So I started film study. Yep. And so I started breaking shit down. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, well, what if they don't do this? What else could they do? Most guys won't take themselves mentally there. They'll just watch the film, watch their guy, look for tendencies. Mm -hmm. They might break down a couple formations. But when you get deep into it, mm -hmm. I got so deep into it that I fucking text Sean Hill, the backup quarterback, one night. Because mm -hmm. I'm going through the scouting report. And I'm like, what the fuck does this mean? Like, it was some kind of, it was like, uh, what do you call it? Like a, a acronym or something? Sure. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Uh, I'm like, bro, what does PN, I'm just throwing out letters, what does PCOA mean? Mm -hmm. And he said, oh, this is what it means. He's like, why do you want to know? I was like, I'm over here breaking down film, looking at the Scott report. I mm -hmm. need to know what this means. So I'm trying to understand for. this, yeah. And he's like, look at you. This is all through text, mm -hmm. right? But no shit you, shit you not. This is a true story. A week mm -hmm. later, Jim Swartz every Thursday will call up a random player and just grill his ass about the Scott report. Right. Like, are you paying attention? And stats yeah. and all this shit. And then look. That was my week. Mm-hmm. Damn. And you were like. That was my week. And we were playing the fucking Steelers. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, bro, the most off-the-wall questions, and I aced that shit. Good. He was like, what's their percent of uh, percentage of bliss on third down? 
And I was like, oh, 39.5%. And he was like, yeah, you're right, 40%. He was like, what usually happens in their games? He was like, what happened in the uh, the Patriots game after the third quarter? And I swear to God, I just watched the Patriots game the night before mm-hmm. against them. And I watched the whole fucking game, right? Paid attention to the score and everything. Mm-hmm. That score going into the third quarter was 24-24. They came out that shit. It was like 56 to 28, uh, 20, uh, 31 or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They blew their ass out in the fourth quarter. And that was a trend. Mm-hmm. They are kind of on that trend. Like, yep. you get to the third quarter and it kind of collapsed. So, it's all, like, important shit to know. You got to know your opponent. Right. Mm-hmm. Right? But some guys wouldn't take it that far. Yeah. Yeah. Or you watching film, you're not looking at the score. You're just looking at some Emotion. Like Who's in your position. Yeah. 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 But do you take it that far? Do you know how the team operates? Yeah. Yes. Do you right. know their M.O.? Mm-hmm. You yeah. know how they're going to react in certain situations. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know what I mean? You That's know, when I knew I started playing real chess. And yeah. to to ratify that, uh, one of our coaches that's at Owasso this year has NFL experience as well. Mm-hmm. He was talking about how they break down film, and he was talking about the third string tailback had a tendency whenever he would line up even, it was this. And if he took half a step back, it was that. And it was every time so he, he pre-planned his moves and then he caught on to him pre-planning his thing i don't even know that the dude knows that he does it yeah no that's what i'm saying <laughs> that's what i'm yeah. saying yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah and it was their associate it's like the towel boy mm-hmm. in this organization that is bringing this information to the yeah. player yeah it's like that intense, bro. Yeah. Like, no, that, I believe infor- it. that information is like gold. Yeah. You know, no, coaches coaches it. will high five over like a second or third string guy. Mm-hmm. Like if, if this if, guy comes in the game and we know he's gonna do this, you fucking high five another coaches. We can run this. You yep. can yep. you could game you could game X. playing five plays off that shit. And yeah. like, oh my god, this is awesome. Yeah. Boys call out back because we're having a barbecue after <laughs> this. He's <laughs> gonna go yeah. win. Like so, real talk. What what that actually reminds me of, and, and we can wrap with this, and I'm sure you guys will both mirror this one here. Um, I use it in the in the industry whenever I was doing the restaurant mm. thing, and I always explained it to my new managers, right? So mm-hmm. so you can be a badass crew member, right? You can be the hottest shit running the grill or something, right? Um, but the second you st- you step into that new management role, you're the shittiest person I have, right? In 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 the management team, level up, level up. Like yeah. every time you take that next step, you are the absolute yeah, worst. You gotta go back to the bottom, big yeah, yeah, right. And you have to understand that, like you know, now that you you understood how to do this little window, but as soon as you took that bigger step, yeah, you just now learned everything you don't know, exactly. right? And then you do Ignorant. it again, step into a GM role, and guess what? Now you don't know shit about anything else because yeah. now you're now taking another step. And you know what? Let's do it again. Every time you you take that next step. You have to be willing to say, "I am the worst, worst person in yes. this position right now." You know what I mean? People get butt hurt about that. Yeah, though. and you if you cannot <laughs> do that, those are the people who don't grow past that spot. Yeah, right. Well, when yeah, and the thing the thing for me is most people won't embrace success because they're not willing to embrace the suck. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you have that both. Suck is a big part of success. That shit comes with it. <laughs> what is success without failure? Right. If you just roll straight into the top, to the top mm-hmm. with no struggles, mm-hmm. what are you going to sit back at the end of the day and like reflect on? Right. It's a long way down from there. Bro, mm-hmm. a long well, way down. That actually reminds me of uh, you know Mike Tyson. I don't know if you ever watch his you know, interviews and stuff. Um, they asked him why he was so good. It's because he had to be. 
Yeah. Right? That was his entire thing. And yeah. then they were talking about, he was talking about his own son, and his son was wanting to get into boxing. Um, and he kept telling his son, he was like, nah, dude, you don't have it. You don't have the drive. You went to fucking boarding school, dude. Like, you're, and he's telling <laughs> what his are you, kid that. What are, you, what are you angry at? Yeah. Like, yeah. you have no reason to be in this right now. He was yeah. like, I worked my ass off so, so you, you wouldn't don't have, have to. to. Yeah. yeah. So there, there's a difference of, of the need, the want, the drive, the have to. Um, and I think that's really what, what your entire story was, the need, the drive, the want, the have to. Oh, yeah, man. Um, Desperation breeds success. Yeah. It is, you know. and yeah. Greatness. And those are the people that I think are are the best leaders because they've seen the worst of things, you know. Got to be. Got to change the situation, man. Yeah, yeah. So Flip the script. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So uh, we always try to end out with the final thoughts. Um, we'll start with Nick. Nick, final thoughts on this episode here, man. What do you, what do you got? What, what do you want to leave the people with? Um... I think probably one of the things that I've learned the most just in our friendship and relationship, Corey, is, you know, you've always pushed me whenever you didn't know it. Um, part of the reason why I'm coaching now and chasing the things that I am and being the family man that I am is because of the example that you've laid out in front of us. And so because you went first, now I'm following. And there are others that are following me because of that. So my advice to you people Find somebody that is going, people? the ones that are listening. <laughs> what do you mean, you people? Don't get me started on that. You got to tell them the Jim Schwartz, your favorite Jim Schwartz coat, quote, the uh, uh, Blazing Saddles. Oh. oh <laughs> but anyways, uh, you know, it's just one of those things that find somebody that is going the direction you want your life to go, hook up next to them, and just do what they do. Mm-hmm. That's how you get out of where you're at. Mm-hmm. Try to be better. Uh, res- yeah, respect, man. Mm-hmm. Was- so for my final thoughts on this one, you know, nothing too crazy, actually. Um, you know, I, you and I have known each other in passing for years um, at this point. Like, you know, and, and I've always, you know, tried to pay attention to see what it's doing. Um, but the one thing that's always, you know, stood out to me is exactly what you said very early on, is that, like, you're not a braggart. You're very, you're very humble. Um, and you know, I always want to encourage people not to, you know, try to be out there and try to, you know, show off and, you know, be the best and everything else, be the best quietly. Those are the people that I think are always the guys that I want to follow and I want to see and I want to understand. And like those, those to me are the people that have elevated past themselves. And that's what I think I really like about you is that every time, you know, we've ever talked or anything, um, it's always like one step past, like, okay, you know if somebody's talking too much, they're talking too much, you know? And like, I always, you know, see you and I'm like, man, either he's got it figured out or he's really quiet. I don't know which one it is yet, you know? Um, but after this conversation, I think you've got it really figured out, which I think is awesome. So, um, I definitely appreciate you coming on and, and uh, talking, but, uh, you get the final, the final thoughts here, man. What do you got? Oh man, y'all made me blush just now. You're welcome. With kind words. Um, I appreciate it. I look, I guess the, the, the way I am, that I am is because being humble. I like to sit back and listen. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's a saying: a "Wise man once said nothing at all." Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You you can get a lot out of just listening to other people mm-hmm. and I listening to understand. Yeah, not listening to just speak, but listening to understand. I never thought that I knew more than somebody else. Mm. I never thought that I got in a position and that I all had it figured out. And if I did, in those situations where I did. I fell flat on my fucking face. <laughs> it was always a lesson. Like, yeah, motherfucker, you should have stuck to what you know. And just learn, shut up, and be quiet. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But that's, I think if society can pick 
just that little nugget up mm-hmm. for whoever's listening. Yeah, <laughs> you know all seven I mean? people. Yeah, yeah, like just ride with that. Like just sit back and listen. Sometimes mm-hmm. don't think that you always have it figured out. Seek knowledge. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. I I never claim to be anything more than than who I am. Um, though I have a lot of flaws. Hell yeah, but I I, I can confidently say that one of my strengths always been my strength is being humble. Um, not thinking I'm better than somebody for what I did or anything that I achieved. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Once you get to that point, you're you're in a dark spot. Because I, I will, I'll be the first one to raise my hand and tell you I had a lot of fucking help to get to where I got to. Mm-hmm. You don't get to the NFL just on your athletic ability alone. You need people along the way to help you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You need some breaks. Right? And I think I got those breaks because of my humble attitude. I think God, you know, shot me a couple favors. Like, here you go. Right. You know what I mean? Because I never got outside of myself and I never lost who I was truly, you know, who I truly am. Yep. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so if I could tell one person one final thought, be humble. You know what I mean? Stay quiet sometimes and just listen. You know what I mean? And just just understand people. You know what I mean? Me and Nick have a good relationship because I understand him. I never pass judgment. You know what I mean? I never come down on people for, for mistakes they make because mm-hmm. there's only one dude it's only one perfect dude. That's the GOAT, mm-hmm. JC, right? Me, you, all three of us, when mm-hmm. we leave this room from the time we die, we will all make another mistake. I promise you. Mine will be in like 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Hey, I'm, I'm not drinking today. Right. So if you, if you, if you think you holier than thou and you got, you got shit figured out, you say right. I'm mistaken. And I, I always try to rock with that. That's, that's kind of been my MO. All right, guys. Well, uh, thanks for listening and uh, have a good one, guys.